0: Live. Hey, it's Mike again, Old Religion Dystopia, and once again, we we have our brother in Christ, uh, uh, Derek Hallett, and uh, also that's you can find him on the YouTube channel, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, and also then there's the www.soundthetrumpetministries.com. And uh, once again, he had a, some wonderful teachings that were posted a couple of days ago on Tuesday. That he did over the weekend, and uh, there's one, but they're both great. But the one, uh, loose the cult, I strongly recommend that people listen to. And maybe I'll even post it on my YouTube channel. Yeah, sorry, uh, Derek. And
1: uh, absolutely. Once again, I'm,
0: I'm sure, brother, you're going to have one heck of a message to share with folks. But before we get going here, I guess I'll start out in prayer, if that's all right with you, and then you, and then we'll invite the Spirit of God with us.
1: Absolutely. Go for it.
0: Almighty God, the true and living God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
1: Yes, Lord.
0: Almighty God, the God of life that breathed life into man and gave us your only begotten, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you'll have mercy on us, God, and mercy on this Message and particularly the people that will hear this, that you pour your Holy Spirit into this, and that it will be directed to those who need to hear it, mighty God.
1: Thank you, my God.
0: I, I, we ask that this will bless you most importantly, and that, uh, God, I just want to say thank you for even the opportunity to get together and to glorify you and to praise you and to just express our gratitude for who you are, God. If it wasn't for you. God, how could we even be half the man we are? So God, as I said, ask you to help us to be faithful servants to you, faithful warriors for you, and bless us continually with the opportunity to serve you, God, the mighty God you are.
1: Yes, Praise and
0: record to you, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God.
1: Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brother, that we have yet another day that we may fellowship together, that we may learn and be taught of your word. I only pray, Lord, that no flesh be glorified, that no man's heart be hurt, but that by your spirit, Lord, we may be empowered and edified that we might do your righteous works. So I pray right now, Lord, for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. And I'm asking, Lord, that you open the heart, Lord, that your word might get in, that it might not come out. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is not of you, Lord Jesus, may it be cast down this very moment and cast out, that it bind not the people. And I pray for those, Lord, who are out there, that this is their only way of ministry. Lord, I pray that you bless it. I pray that you bless my brother, Mike. I pray, Lord, that you give him people on his show, Lord, that are going to bring forth the truth and that you keep away all distractions and all things, Lord, that don't glorify you. I pray that you pour your water on it. I pray that the seeds may grow and that we may bear the righteous fruit and may do this many, many more times, that we may preach and teach and and reach people, Lord, with the gospel. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray that you do these things for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, brother, uh, it's all yours. Thank you, thank you oh. for joining us again, by the way.
1: Uh, Oh, absolutely. uh, It's always a pleasure. I look forward to these uh, Thursdays, you know, where my brother and I can really get into the Word. So I have an interesting one for tonight. It's called The Power of Godly Inheritance. The Power of Godly Inheritance. You know, kind of like what we talked about earlier, brother, before we got on the air, was something about people understanding, one, who Jesus is, two, who we are in Christ, and three, walking in that power and that authority. We did a teaching on Sound and Trumpet Ministries uh, this past week called The Finger of God, but the one that, um, you know, but what we need to really understand in, in terms of having God's authority is how we exercise it, how we use it. And I think what, you know, what's plaguing a lot of church people today or a lot of Christians or why they might be bound is because, The image of Jesus has become a false image. You know, everyone wants to picture Jesus as a pacifist, and I wouldn't say he was a pacifist. I would say he was nonviolent, but he also spoke of, you know, his way of fighting and to be able to subdue and be able to overcome. Seven times he said to seven churches, to him that overcometh will reap the rewards of the kingdom." So what we want to talk about tonight is the godly inheritance, what it is to be a son of God, what it is to be a child of God, what it is to have Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, that we may walk and subdue all things under his feet. Because, you know, the devil is running rampant. That's no lie. That's no secret to anybody. You see, he's just out and about. He's killing 3,000 babies a day. He's pushing his agendas and homosexuality and so many other different things. And it's like the church just lays there dormant, just lays there silent, not saying much, not doing much. Well, tonight we're going to talk about what it is to be a son of God, what it is to be a soldier of Christ, what it is to go nose to nose and eyeball to eyeball with the devil because God wouldn't have it any other way. And some of the things that we're hearing today, some of the things that are going on, everybody's talking about, you know, in a collapsed economy. Everyone's talking about a new world order. Everybody's talking about, you know, what the enemy intends to do to us. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about what we intend to do to them. Because for those who are of Christ, we're not cowards. We don't back down. God meant for you to battle. He said the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, do we physically fight in this? No, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of Christians that are disempowered, disarmed, and, and not willing to go out and get into the fight. But if tonight we're going to cover all those who follow the Lord. We're going to talk about amazing feats and things for those who believed how far they were able to go. And if because we have the Spirit today, we should be greater than they. and And that's what we're going to talk about concerning this godly inheritance. It is time that the Christian picks up his sword, and I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about spiritual weapons. I'm talking about wearing your full armor, that we may truly become what the Bible says, more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. So, bro, if you don't have anything to add, um, we're going to move on. So do you have anything that you want to add or, you know, respond to?
0: Amen, brother. Let's let's move on, man. Thank you.
1: All right. Let's go to Romans 8. I want to go to Romans 8, and I want to start at verse 1, because here we're going to talk about a solution to the Christian's problem, but we're going to talk about why the Christian is disempowered and why God wants us to be powered that we may endure. So this is Romans 8 and 1, and it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So, you know, a lot of people would start in verse 1 with, there is therefore now no condemnation to them, you know, and then people will just override what it says next about, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, we've got a lot of Christians that are walking after the flesh. So, you know, this promise of no condemnation applies to them who walk in the Spirit, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death and what uh, for the lord for what the lord could not do and that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh so you see once again god is not um he understands that our flesh is a big issue it's one of the things that anchors us to the world and keeps us from pursuing, which disempowers us. So he's saying the solution for that is the law itself is weak. There are no religious works that you can do to obtain the spirit. The spirit comes by faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. But when you have the Spirit of God, he is going to empower you that you may be able to subdue the flesh and be able to follow God. So this is verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So is he talking about the Mosaic law here? No, he's speaking of the law of the Spirit, all right, because the law of Moses was considered the law of sin and death. Where he's taking us from now is into being led by the Spirit of God so that the righteousness might be fulfilled. So that righteousness is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the fulfillment of the law. So that empowers us to do all that we do. And that includes casting out devils, that includes healing the sick, that includes preaching the gospel, and that includes standing in the face of death to preach and to let people know what the truth is. So he says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So what we see here is for those who mind the flesh They, you know, they are after the flesh. Those who are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. So it is very easy for us that the Lord made it that we may know whether we are in the spirit or out of the spirit. Things that are not pertaining to God are out of the spirit. Okay, things that are worldly or things that we talk about of the world, that is minding the things of the flesh. So, you know, this is an indicator to let us know when we're off course so we can examine ourselves. Am I in the spirit right now or am I in the flesh? You know, this is important that we know this because he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, you know, a good example of this because we just talked about how. A lot of people are talking about prepping for a collapsed economy and all these things. Yeah, all these things are good, but I want people to understand that even that is still a part of the carnal mind. And the reason I say that is, is because there's a part of you that believes that unless I sustain me, I won't be sustained. What God wants us to have is faith in him. There is nothing wrong with being smart and trying to prepare. But, see, there's only one problem for this. Everybody is not going to be able to have these things. So you know that God cannot be relying on this. Who's going to let you stay somewhere in a collapsed economy without paying rent or mortgage? Who's going to, I mean, you think when you're out there burning food and you've got your own, that no one's going to see, you know, a fire burning at your house and come and possibly want to take your things away? So, you know, A realistic sense of this is recognizing that God will take care of his if we remain faithful and we walk with him. I am by no means telling people to throw out the things that they saved. There's nothing wrong with having those things because they do sustain to a degree. But what we intend to do is to have God take care of our every need And because a lot of people can't afford frozen, you know, what do they call those foods? when they're, like, frozen and, you know, you can heat them up later on and things like that, those survival. Yeah.
0: K-rations, K-rations and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, like those survival Uh, foods and things. Everyone uh, doesn't have access to that. So we know that, you know, God has got a bigger plan for those who follow him. Okay, so when it says carnally minded um, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, the carnal mind can't go past time and space. The carnal mind is subjected to that which we which we which we can see, which we can taste, touch, hear, and smell, but as we know in the spiritual realm, there is a greater reality of existence than that, so you see the carnal mind can only take you but so far it leaves you subject to your circumstances. But the spiritual mind takes you beyond time and space, transforming your mind and linking it with God that you may have faith and believe everything that God tells us to believe. And then it says in verse uh, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's important that if we are carnally minded, if our minds are only subjected to time and space, then we are the enemy of God because the Bible makes clear without faith it is impossible to please God. So we know that the Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 1, now we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. But then the second verse is, to be, um, he says, and be not con- transformed, or be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God wants our minds to be transformed, that we be not conformed to what the physical realm is. You know that the mind of God transforms it, it. You know it goes beyond time and space where you would have the gift to believe things that most people wouldn't. So people think that Jesus walking on water was a metaphor. People think that Jesus rebuking the winds was a metaphor. No, that is what you would call true faith in God. And this is where we need to be concerning God, and this is why the enemy tries to subject our minds to time and space. That's how you become the enemy of God, not believing. When you look at the children of Israel that refused to go into the land, in Numbers 13 and 14, they had carnal minds. They had the mind of Egypt, and Egypt just wouldn't come out of them. So no matter what miracles God showed them, no matter where he tried to take them, they believed not because they just couldn't get their minds to be transformed by God into believing. So a carnal mind, it is impossible for you to believe God. So in 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 that case it's impossible for God to work with you because your mind is so different and opposed to what God stands for. All right, so he says because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You know one thing else I learned about a carnal mind, it doesn't love him or his aunt or his neighbor. You know like it loves himself. A carnal mind is an antichrist mind. It's a self-loving mind where I take care of me and I worry about everything else second. So this is verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So that's clear what the Bible says. If if you are not of the spirit of God, you do not belong to God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So you see, when you draw closer to the Lord, you die out to self and what your desires are, and you give it over to Christ that he may drive so that God might be pleased. So it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the true life of a Christian is to be led by the spirit every day, every moment of your life. Now, have we mastered this yet? No. No. But I can honestly tell you, because people want to talk about the things that are coming, that when things begin to ramp up, when when real danger comes on the scene, you better know Jesus Christ. Because, you know, he's going to give us instruction of where to go, what to do, who to talk to, what to leave behind, you know, when to go to war, when to go away, okay? So these things are going to be for those who are going to make it in those times those who fully have their trust in God. So, you know, he says the spirit will quicken you, the spirit will build you, it will strengthen you. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So, you know, when we enter into the spirit and God's spirit overtakes us, we cease from our own works and God will make known to us what his plan is, what his desires are, what we should do next, whom we should talk to. So as you can see, a person that is obedient to the calling that God has given him, that person God can have his spirit indwell because the works of Christ would be done. All right, so I believe I'm in uh, verse 14, and it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And, you know, it's just like any father and son that's in a really good relationship, the son will obey his father, okay? Jesus couldn't have called his father father if Jesus did what he wanted to do outside of the will of the father. But Jesus, every day of his life, did not do anything that the father, you know, didn't want him to do. He only did that which was commanded of his father. And in doing so, the spirit indwelled Jesus. The Bible says it poured on him without measure that he was able to do anything, including heal the sick, perform miracles, you know, um, transform time and space wherever he was. So these are the things that we've got to understand, that we're not that far from Jesus. Now, he is the Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is Emmanuel. He is God in the flesh. But the, Jesus said himself that the servant is not above his master, but it is sufficient that he be as his master. So, you know, in some ways, I have a problem with people that don't push Jesus up because we ought to do so. But in other ways, I have a problem with people that push Jesus so far up that they don't even themselves think that Christ can live in them and work through them. So you see, there's a happy balance there. Yes, Jesus Christ is to be reverenced above all, and his name is above every name. But Jesus wants his servants to be as his master. So, you know, when it talks about reaching the fullness of the stature of the measure of Jesus Christ – This is what we all long for. And that's why, if you look at verse 14 again, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. um, And then it says in 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we're not Jesus but we can also be joint heirs with Christ if we partake in God's spirit and are obedient to him. We become under adoption where we can call God the Father our Father. So that's important that we understand that Jesus never meant for us to be, you know, beneath the inheritance that he has for us. He meant for us to partake in them. And even if you go to John 14, because I don't have time to go there tonight, but read John 14, in your spare time, and it's going to tell you that Jesus said, greater works will ye do than I did when I was here. So Jesus wants us to reach his fullness and to become empowered and to be obedient that, that people may know that Jesus is alive. Paul says, I come not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So, you know, a lot of us are just trying to get there right now, but the fact of the matter is these things can be done. The Lord has revealed them. And we're going to talk about tonight how to obtain that, how to seek a relationship, how to get stronger in Christ, and more importantly, how to crush the head of the devil and all those things that are against Christ. When he says that we are not given over unto fear, you know, because that's not the life of a Christian, this is what we talk about. Most Christians won't do what God said because of the bondage of fear. But if you have more faith in God, the less fear you would have because he's not given us a spirit of fear. All right, so let me just uh, finish this real quick. But So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I want to say that again. Let's go to verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children, then heirs. So we are heirs. Heirs of God, and what? Joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So where a lot of people think as a Christian, I don't have to do anything, I don't have to you know, seek Jesus. I don't have to preach his truth or proclaim the gospel. He's saying here that if we suffer with him, we will be raised with him. So the life of a Christian is suffering. You know, a life of a Christian is taking time to be glorified, you know, and going through as Jesus went through that we might be glorified with him. So as you can see, you know, the battle is dirty. The battle can be tough. The one thing we are going to be, no matter who or what we battle, is victorious because Jesus Christ has never failed. And that's what we ought to understand concerning Jesus. So he says in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations, the manifestation of the sons of God. So what are we waiting for as the creature, as the creation of God? We are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because I do believe that the Bible talks about a latter rain. You go to Ezekiel 37, the Bible talks about the dry bones. How the Lord told him to breathe on them and prophesy upon these bones, that they came from just being very dry, out in the valley to having, you know, tendons and bones and flesh put upon them until they stood in exceeding great army. So, you know, God never takes things laying down. God may be slow to act at times because he gives people a chance. But what we've got to understand is every promise that God gave Israel, every promise that he gave to his disciples, every promise that he told those who would follow him then, Is every promise that we can obtain now. God is God, and he changes not. So the same God that they serve, we serve. But what we've got to do is join ourselves to him, build a relationship, become one with Christ, that he may live in us and work through us. So it says, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him, who have subjected the same in hope. Uh, Let's see right here real quick. So it says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So that's what God wants us to be. This is why we endure. This is why we preach Jesus Christ. This is why we believe no matter what we're going through and in spite of what we're facing. Because we know that we have that blessed hope that when we die, that we will be resurrected again and live in eternity. Christians sleep, they don't die. So what does that tell you? That a Christian has conquered even death itself. Death has no sting. Death has no power over a person that has the spirit of God and is willing to serve him. So, you know, that's victory number one in itself, that carnal man can't even get beyond. So, man, is this following Jesus thing worth fighting for? Is it worth being on his side? I mean, let's see what the Lord can do. Let's start believing him. No matter what goes on, I don't care if we're talking political, financial, you know, or or scientific, Whatever it is, we need to represent our God so that people know that He is alive, and He is sitting on the right hand of Majesty. And all we need to do is give our lives to Him that He can work through us. All right, brother, you got anything to add? Because if not, we are going to go to let's go to Leviticus just, twenty-six. Uh, What's that, okay,
0: brother? Just, just share a little bit. I don't know if yeah. it's going to be edifying for anybody else. It might be too self-centered. Uh, okay. uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, verse seventeen, kind of uh, eighteen, verse eighteen, kind of. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for doing this study. Obviously, the Spirit of God is working with you because, and, and one of the things that I'm going through right now. And I put that in quotes going through because the more and more God leads me, I realize I'm, you know, one of the things that I've discovered is, you know, with, uh, you know, God's not kidding about, you know, uh, we must diminish and he must increase and, uh, he's going to make that happen. And that's what he's been doing with me. And like, uh. You know, the one thing that was left in my life that uh, I've kind of used as a, as a crutch, a bondage at my son, you know, we talked about a little bit about how what's going on with his mother and his family and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And other, I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks, which is really weird because, you, know, you know, he's, he'll be seven in August. And so for most of his life, I'm the one who's been raising him by myself. Okay, but I don't have custody of him because of how screwed up the whole legal system is in in Ohio. But anyway, there's more to that as as well, because uh, I think that God has been just taking everything away from me in this world and just has put to a point in my life where uh, I understand what Paul is saying here, about the suffering of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. And God gives us little. I know He's been giving me little inklings here and there of this, this His magnificent truth and, the, and of the creation and the whole gamut of things, from the spiritual warfare to giving me certain eyes that I never had. To literally, He took my son away. And and, and and it hurts. It does hurt, you know, inside. But same token, it's like God's opened up all of a sudden. All these the things to do for him, to serve him. And it's like, God, you know, I did say, and he, I, and he will hear your prayers. I did say, God, allow me to be your slave, your servant. And so I'm so grateful that he has allowed that to happen, and he's also given me, uh, he's given me enough strength to persevere to not allow the emotionalism, the the suffering, uh, or you know the, the suffering of a, the loss of my the value of my son, and teaching me that. Now, Mike, you need to learn to love me more and more and more. Can you? Can can I? You know, I'm getting to the point now. I could say honestly in my walk that if I were to have a choice between my own flesh and blood and my God, my Lord and Savior, I'm taking my Lord and Savior, which is a lot to say for God. A lot of people say, "Oh, that's just a terrible thing." And I listen. I'm not telling. I'm not saying that, that what God has in store for anybody that may hear this. But I know for me. I I couldn't you know there's no I can't go back you know as he grabs on you and pulls on you and does this thing and another and just and he takes away the things of the world and he shows you what a rubbish he what a what this whole place really is as great as it is and you know it was nothing of what it was before it was supposed to be
1: that's right and people
0: don't realize putting your faith in anything in this world outside of Jesus Christ is not only spiritual suicide, but it's just pure vanity. It's absolutely worthless, your own energy. And so I, you know, God has been so blessed me that every day in the morning, I just, okay, God, what am I going to do today? And at night, you know, uh, whatever it may be. And it's not really magnificent, you know, wow. You know, to the rest of the world. But to me, you know what? I don't care. I told God, I said, you know what? You want me, you know, just give me a place in heaven, you know, even if it's somewhere in the very, very, very distant corner of your your great creation in heaven. And all I get to do is pull grass all day with my bare fingers. It's worth it. And I mean that. I mean that sincerely because, you know, I've gone through so much. God has allowed me to go through so much that it's just like this is nothing that's right God. now that's not saying that I'm not saying it it's, it's, that's not the case because there's spiritual warfare spiritual attacks a lot of things happen mm-hmm. and all the, the world does become an enmity with you because of him not because it's you but because of him and right. uh, the spiritual warfare there but I just wanted to share that because I just want to let people know that uh although it seems so tragic at times and it may seem very uh unempathetic or very uh, unsympathetic or whatever that, of what I'm saying but uh what else is there I mean at this point I, I don't know I it's it's if you put the things of this world first the people of this world the things we cherish most there's above god then we're going to miss out on what life really is supposed to be about. And not only that, but we're going to let down the people around us for doing so. It's one of those, there's a lot of people out there and I understand why they're they're, they're, They make excuses because it's fear. It's fear of losing everything. You know what I mean? Everything that they value. So I guess it comes down to is, do you really love God? You know what I mean? How much do you love God? And I guess, uh, you and I, brother, we love God. And why is that? It would only be a miracle in its own right from God himself. So That's right. But I just wanted I don't know if it was any anything edifying at all, but I just felt like saying it. And I want to say thank you for bringing God. I want to thank have, all praise and glory to our God for inspiring Amen. you to his Holy Spirit to send this message that apparently not only is for other people, but is also for me. Because this is exactly what I'm going through, folks. And all of a sudden he's talking about, me and Derek haven't talked much about my circumstances or his circumstances. God has just led us Mm -hmm. to do whatever we're doing, you know what I mean?
1: And so the uh, Spirit joins us. Amen. Okay, I'll shut up, man. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good, man. I mean, that's what's awesome to hear is how the Spirit links us, you know, so the Lord knows exactly what he's bringing forward. So let's go to Exodus 6. I want to go here real quick because as the Bible says that we were joint heirs with Christ, you know, if we um, yield to God, we are worthy of the promises. So one thing we have to understand about the Old Testament, it was made like in a picture format. So as we may talk about the promised land, we got to understand that what we and what you and I have before us is the land of promises. You see, so it hasn't changed It's just, you know, a different place, but it stands on the same principles. The promised land was supposed to be a place that flowed with milk and honey. It was supposed to be a place of freedom from Egypt, which we would call the world. It was a place where, you know, God gave them everything that they would need, that those peaceable fruit would be grown and that they can only fellowship and and rely on the Lord and not on outside interferences or outside distractions. So as you can see, you know, the kingdom of heaven is very similar in that sense or having the spirit of God is similar in that sense because God meets every need to those who are obedient unto him. When he says, ask and you shall be given unto you, you know, if you believe and doubt not, this is the same type of promises that we're talking about. Now the reason I mention that here because if you go to Exodus 6, This is the chapter where Moses, uh, the previous chapter, he went to go and talk to Pharaoh, who was the world power. He would have been what you would consider one of the Caesars or one of the new world order, okay? He went to them, and, and Moses went and explained to Pharaoh, hey, the Lord wants my people to be set free, not totally free, but so that we can go three days' journey into the wilderness and make an offering unto their God. And Pharaoh says, I know not the Lord you serve, neither will I let the people go. So then a power struggle came out. And, you know, Moses said as he went to try and get the people free, Pharaoh made these people's bondage even harder. So read Exodus 5 in your spare time how he, you know, took away the straw so that they had to make bricks more difficult and they had to produce the same amount of bricks. Sounds like many of the bosses and worldly people we serve today. But, you know, this is this is one of those things where, you know, um, it became a power struggle. So now the Lord, Moses came complaining to the Lord, Lord, since I showed up, things have gotten worse. So now what do I do? Why did you even send me? So this is Exodus 6, and we're going to look at verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he deliver them out of his land. The God I man God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. And by the name of God Almighty, but by the name of Jehovah was I not known to them. So what he's trying to say here is that You know, by the name Jehovah, he wasn't known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they only knew him as God. They knew him as God, but the children of Israel themselves and Moses spent time in Egypt, so they had to be shown or God had to reveal himself to them that they might believe just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is verse 4, and I have also established my covenant with them To give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So let's understand with these two verses, four and five. He made it clear he is the Lord, and he says that he has already made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he was going to bring Abraham's seed into the land. That was already a promise 400 years ago. What we've got to understand today is what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and all the promises that he made are still there for them that believe that they will inherit that land. I'm not talking about the land of Canaan. I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about the promise of the Spirit. I'm talking about Christ in you that God's will may be done. So he says he gave it to them for a land or a pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. So the children of Israel, you know, the land of Canaan was full of giants, but God told them that that was going to be their land. So what did he do? Through battle after battle, he made sure that those who believed inherited the land. So he says, for I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, And I have remembered my covenant, so God does not forget his promises. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of the bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. So this is before he put the plagues on Egypt, God was already telling them, hey, hearken unto me pay attention to me, because you were obedient into following me, and the enemy wants to stand in your way and stop you from going in, this is what I'm going to do. Verse 7, And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So let's understand this. God, just how he's freeing you and I from the world, that he's lightening that load, he's getting our attention on him, and he's getting us to focus on what he wants. The same intentions that he had, that he wanted to free them from the Egyptians, God's trying to free you and I from the the rules of the world, from the control of the world. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob and I will give it to you for inheritance I am the Lord so these are the promises that God has made the same inheritance that we read in Romans 8 is the same inheritance that that God is telling Moses that he is going to do for the children of Israel Now, are we the children of Israel? No, but what are we? We are joint heirs with Christ if we have the Spirit. So every promise that he had made to them, he is making to us. And it's important that we understand this. Now we're going to get into some of the promises that God made, some of the things that he told them that they would do, that they would become victorious in battle. This is important because, you know, if we don't know where we once were, we won't know where we're going. And we need to read the resume of God. We need to partake in his word that we might believe and understand that he's the same God. But see, right now, many of us are bound in Egypt. Many of us are afraid to go against this thing. So what we need to do is exercise that faith so that we can see what God can do. Let's go to Leviticus 26. And, you know, this applies to everything, guys. This applies to your children on drugs. This applies to, you know, messed up, broken families. This applies to divorce. This applies to whatever you're going through in your life. If you are a child of God, never stop praying. Never stop, you know, giving the Lord his time. Take authority over those things because God has already promised you that the promise is not just for you but for your family if you remain obedient. It's time to stop begging the devil or hoping that he doesn't do anything. Exercise your authority in Christ and take authority over that situation because God is with you. He is not the minority. We are the majority. If Christ be for you, then who be against you This is leviticus twenty six look at verse one. ye shall make no we shall make you no idols nor graven images neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto, for I am the Lord your God. So what does he say? No idolatry. Put nothing before you. No gods. Remember the teaching we did on idolatry a few weeks ago? God takes that serious. What does idolatry do? Ruin your relationship with God and it also disempowers you because you become double minded. Look at verse 2. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. That's the Spirit. And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Trees are usually a type of man or a type of person. Remember how Jesus says for the trees that won't, um, you know, yield or bring forth fruit, they'll be hewn down and cast into the fire. But God is saying here, if you remain faithful and you walk in my statutes, my commandments, and my um, ways, then he says in due season he's going to pour out rain. So you'll get an increase. And he says these trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. So imagine having God's protection behind this, all due to obedience. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. So what he's making clear is there's no way in the world that the enemy can even come in. Why the enemy is so strong, why we're dealing with this seven-headed dragon, why people are, you know, are fearing the worst right now is because men have lost faith in God. So if you're not going to be ruled by God, you're going to be ruled by tyrants. But God is telling his people, man, if you hearken unto me and you come before me and you live righteous, God is going to take care of his people. I don't care what's at the door. I don't care what threats there are out there. We will be victorious because God cannot lose. So he says here, and ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you. Shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. So imagine having God in this. And then he later says, if you guys read Deuteronomy 32 and 30 in your spare time, he said, One shall chase a thousand, and two shall put ten thousand to flight. But if we don't walk in that faith, if we don't walk in that inheritance, if we're not pushing up Jesus and standing for him, then we don't have the faith. This is why the enemy is walking around. Man, God is not afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of God. But the way that the enemy is dressing it up right now is we're supposed to take everything sitting down. We're supposed to take children to the psychologist. We're supposed to have them on different types of meds and do things. You know, but God is the great physician. There is nothing too hard for you. It's too hard for him. We've got to understand who this Jesus is. We've got to understand who this God is, and we've got to walk with him. We cannot allow ourselves to take this laying down, get full of Jesus, and go for what you know. Because why? That's why God gave us the spirit. That's why God gave us what we would need. We are not, um, we're not people that are just defeated. We are a people under a great name with a godly inheritance that no man can take from you. He said we are more than conquerors. But unless we believe that, these are just words on a page. And it's time we stand for Jesus because he's been standing for you and I. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. Look at this. Deuteronomy 28. Look at the promises that there are. To those who follow the Lord. And this is why America is having such trouble. They don't know the Lord. Now America is about to be taken over. But do you know what? If people would give it all to Jesus, if we would all turn from our wicked, sinful ways and walk with the Lord, He could turn this whole thing around right now. But this world is so blind, the Christian is asleep, the Christian is fearful. And, and, you know, this is why you got atheism growing. You got all these things going on because people won't get in the fight for Jesus because they doubt that he is who he says he is. But for them that believe, as the Bible says in Daniel 11, for them that know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. And that's what this is all about, knowing him, knowing Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. You think God ever recanted this? You think God ever said, well... It seems like, well, what they're building up right now against me, you guys may as well run and hide. Be careful what you say and where you go. That's not the God we serve. But you see, where where the three Hebrew boys found Jesus Christ was in the fire. And that's why when this thing jumps off, Christians better know their God for real. But instead of waiting for a new world order, instead of waiting for all this mess to come, Man, why don't we go on the offensive? Why don't we go preach in our hospitals? you know, Why don't we go down into the streets? Why don't we hit the prisons? You see, this is what I'm saying. Why don't we go prayer walking? Take back the streets that these little snot-nosed punks you knew growing up, you're now scared of because they got a gun in their hands? You've got the living God. What are you to fear? Go after these souls that need Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to get excited, brother, but this is this is what it's about. The church has because got to become offensive. We have got to give it to Jesus so that people can understand that God is God. You're gonna you make a point.
0: It. I just say keep it going, brother. All you don't. Right, you Lord. don't. You know, you're not offending me one bit, man. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad oh. to hear. I got. I, I just love hearing a brother. It's, Hell and the truth, man, the way it is, straight from the word of God.
1: Praise the Lord, brother. So this is verse 2, and he says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be the fruit of the body of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle. And the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. So, what do we understand here, man? This is speaking of more than just a farm. God's words are eternal. Look at this in verse four. He says, "Blessed shalt thou be, blessed shall be of the fruit of thy body." So, you know that that's talking about the, the the spiritual body. That's talking about not just being fruitful as far as good health. Man, this is talking about love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, temperance, and faith. And then it says, and the fruit of thy ground, you know, and the fruit of thy cattle. So God is talking about the fruitfulness, the blessings, the things that we come, that we may increase. Look at verse five. Blessed shalt thou be, thy blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. And blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Man, God isn't kidding. The enemy can come in like that and God will make them flee seven ways. That means that they would scatter. That's why the Bible says, let God arise and all his enemies be scattered. But what are we doing? We're suppressing God within us out of fear. Man, we got to start lifting up Jesus and asking for the Lord for a fulfilling that we can get this work done. He says in 8, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest. Thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto Himself, as He hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and walk in his ways. Now, when I'm not talking about Levitical law here, even though that's what they were under. we got to understand that Jesus said the law is fulfilled. You can hang all the law and the prophets on loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to get in the fight. You know, for Christ. If you love um, the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, you'd be telling everybody about him. So as you can see, as simple as it sounds to love the Lord and love your neighbor, it's also very offensive as well. So he says, um, I believe I'm in uh, verse 10. Yeah, verse 10. And he says, and all the people of the earth shall see, that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Man, this is what I'm talking about, bro. This is what we need to have down in us and understand. I'll say that again. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by my name. So God intends for us to be able to, you know, demonstrate him, You know, God is looking for people to uplift him in this time. And then he says, let's go to verse 11, and he said that they will be afraid of you. You know, not afraid like, you know, real fear, but like I said, there was a time when the president knew what he could not say, what the politicians knew. Why? Because he was worried about what that man in the pulpit said. But look at how low we sank, that now people can, you know, Make Jesus a laughing stock, and no one in the church is even fired up about doing anything about this. Man, this is what we got to understand concerning this inheritance. Look at verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, uh, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. (laughs) That doesn't sound like America today, does it? And now they're trying to borrow from anybody because they trusted in the devil and not the Lord. And see, this is this is what, how deadly, you know, idolatry can be and, and getting caught up in the world and not allowing the Lord to work through you. But, man, we have got to become offensive. Look at this. Look at verse 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So those were the promises that God made to Israel so that they may follow him, that they may become victorious in every battle that they go into. Okay, but if you go from uh, verse 15 and on, we're not going to go there, but it talks about every blessing that God gave them, it was like a cursing plus three if they did not hearken unto the Lord. Everything that he promised them from verses 1 to 14, if they didn't do, that their enemies would do unto them. And, I mean, it goes for, I think, 60-something verses where it talks about how Israel will go through a rough time because they did not hearken unto the Lord. And as Israel went through these times, you even find that America is about to go through the same thing because it had forsaken the Lord. So um, from here, let's go to Isaiah uh, 54. I just want to make a point real quick, and then we're going to get into what we need to do to defeat this enemy. I want to go to Isaiah 54. Man, we don't have any problems, bro. All we need is faith in God. Like R.W. Schombach said, we just got to trust Him. We just got to believe. Our battles begin in the heavens and they get settled on earth. But one thing we got to understand is everything is spiritual in this. Every single thing. Man, have faith in God. We are the winners, we are not the losers. So this is Isaiah 54. Look at verse 1. Sing, O barren, that thou didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, that thou didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. And this is what you see. You got a lot of unbelievers out there. Look at verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So he's talking about here that that they shall inherit the Gentiles, because the Gentiles at this point, were fierce enemies of the children of Israel. They would be like a type of worldly people. But again, the promises are the same. If we hearken unto the Lord that we will overtake the Gentiles, you know, or the worldly people, and God will make those places that the worldly people made desolate, he will make fruitful. And this is not just, you know, places and cities We're talking about what's in marriages, what's in homes, what's plaguing churches. You know, all these places where you see the word of God being erased, man, we can even represent the Lord in the education system, and and he will make things happen. So this is important that we gain the land that the enemy is trying to rub away. This is verse 4. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. So, you know, there were a few times in the Bible the Lord had to cut Israel off. But God is talking about, man, once we are redeemed of the Lord, we're past that. And God wants us to just look straightway, you know, and, and follow him to live in victory, not to live in defeat. So he says, for thy maker, which is Jesus Christ, is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman, forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. So he's talking about Israel, but he's also speaking of the church. You know, we are going to be known one day when we enter into heaven as the bride of Christ. Well, the bride doesn't wait to be with Christ to be faithful. This is what the Holy Ghost is working out with us now, that we may become a faithful bride, you know, for Jesus. This is verse 7. For the small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee, for a moment, but but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. So God wants us to forget about the past, step into the future with him, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've got between you and God, repent. Ask him to come into your life. Believe in the shed blood of Christ. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, and you can partake in this inheritance. That God may work in you, so then he says for um, for this as for this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for I have for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee, for the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but thy kindness shall not depart from thee neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that have mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, tossed and temptest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations um, with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of a gates, and uh, thy gates of carbuncle, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. So, bro, you know, this can even apply to you because I know what you've been talking about, what you've been going through, but as you can see, God intends to turn everybody back to where they are if we remain faithful. What you might be going through right now with your son You know what? God is going to allow that for the time being. But as we grow in faith, as we grow in strength, if you proclaim in the name of Jesus that that whatever spirit has him bound right now will set him free, then this promise is unto your home. He says that they will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror, uh, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment um, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me, saith the Lord. Now, if God said it, it will be done. What we need to do is exercise this authority. Walk with the Lord. Have no fear of man and what he can do unto you. Because our God has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Our God has conquered and overcome the whole world. But, bro, we have got to believe this, church. You have got to wake up. Fathers, come over your children. Mothers, stop playing like you've been playing in the world and go under proper headship and be a mom and a wife. Man, this is what we're talking about, divine order under God. We don't have to take this, your child's in the gang, your child is sick, and he's got all these things going on. Believe God, walk in his authority, and his power will come upon you, and you can do the righteous works of God. God wants his people set free, not bound to the world, not bound to what the carnal mind tells you, not bound to the dictates of this world. He wants his people truly set free. And as the Bible says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. You got anything to add, bro? No.
0: I'm just enjoying it, brother
1: all right no point.
0: let's look there <laughs> you're like the only you're like the only guest i ever had and like i just sit back and say hey, really? I really don't have anything to say <laughs> so
1: he's,
0: he's saying everything that i would say anyway so he's using the word of god so how is anybody to refute that the one thing i do appreciate though too is and i uh, i know that other folks as well appreciate it is that you actually are using the word of god to teach and you're actually not just piecemealing it and i appreciate the fact that you're reading large chunks of chapters and, and in an order that's um, logical. And you really, uh, God has blessed you with a uh, sharp mind. And you're just really quick in you. Uh, that's just really awesome. So this is, you know, what, one of the big things that's been missing in the church is this kind of teaching where, you know, uh, I'm not here to puff you up. I'm just saying, this is just self-evident. It's these worthless sermons that they have been giving us and spoon feeding us watered-down milk for so long that just to hear something like this is basically you're just reading because you know your word. You know the word of God. You know it. Uh, you just basically use the word of God to def- defend your 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 uh, position, which is his position. So, hey, it's great. This is definitely what we need in this world. So, hey, another thing, too, if anybody hears this and, and you're prompted, you know, please mirror the the, the video. Uh, you know, this mm-hmm. is not about me making a name for myself or Derek making a name. We're just sharing you the truth. Mm-hmm. So, put it on your YouTube channel. Put it in your uh, Facebook page. Whatever, let people hear a real teaching from the Word of God. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's, it isn't, brother. Isn't really simple. It's just we got it up. Uh, you know, because every you know we're so well. So many of the our brothers sisters are in bondage still in Egypt and just don't want to leave. They love their Mm servants, they love their their bonds, they love their. uh, They're afraid to put trust in God, and I understand that too. I have to tell you, I can't like look down on any of these folks. God had for me, He had to pretty much crush me, take everything away, cause me to lose everything in order to even put kind of trust that I needed to do to in order to serve them. So I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying this is the, our, the dilemma uh, of our our, our day and probably for always. It's just, uh, you know, we do have to come out of mystery Babylon. We have to come out of Egypt. We have to have that courage to go into the wilderness with God and believe that he's going to lead us. And, uh, God I just I just tell people to hear this and really take it seriously. So there is Amen. freedom in Christ and it's not it's really it's a lot more freedom than you can
1: imagine. That's right. Uh, one know, thing we learn like I said whether it's Ruth, Esther or even you know Boaz or whomever God's men were mighty men. They were mighty people of God. They were people of true faith. So I want to go to 2 Samuel 23. Let's look at verse 8. Now look at David's mighty men. I want people to get a look at this and how powerful that these men were that walked with God. These are God's warriors. And and if you really uh, pay close attention and you look at every verse here, it could be something that's compared to the gospel in the New Testament. So you know what a lot of what they did physically in the Old Testament you know, with the power of God, God intends for us to do spiritually in the New Testament because the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what God wants us to get to the place of, to be brought unto total obedience that we might work these weapons of warfare and tear down these strongholds that people might be set free. So look at verse 8, and it says, this is Second Samuel 23 and 8, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tacmonite that sat in the seat chief, among the captains, of uh, the same was Adino the Enzite, he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, this is, this is one man that took up his spear and fought and slew 800 men that day at war. You, you see, so, man, when, when anybody has the spirit of God or you are fighting for the armies of God, there is nothing that can't be accomplished. These are David's men, and David was a type of Christ. So this is uh, verse 9, and it says, And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, uh, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there, gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Man, this is what I'm talking about. We are the men of God. Look at verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was wearied and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord brought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Man, this is what I'm saying, is that God intends for us to inherit this land. But this guy went and fought until his hands were wearied. This is how battle this is how being in the gospel can be in terms of battling in terms of preaching the gospel. Your hands can get weary, you know you can go through so much as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, you know as a pastor, but you see we've got to cling to the Lord that when we are weary, we can come and rest in Christ and let the Spirit of God work in us that we may work these righteous words. look at verse um 11. And after him was Shammah the son of Agi, the Harite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. And he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. So every time these mighty men stood up, because everybody ran and left this guy, he was the only one standing in faith. And because of that, you know, it's like the Lord brought a great victory. See, it doesn't take many to believe. The remnant is going to be small. Jesus said the way in the gate is narrow, and few there be that find the way. But we've got to just believe God. He said, "Where there are two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So we've got to trust and believe. Don't let the devil take over your life. Verse thirteen, and three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time, unto the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. So that was the land of the giants. This was the valley of the giants where David was was uh, hung up, and David was then and in hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So while David was in prison, I'm sure they weren't treating him right. He didn't have much to drink or anything like that. Look at verse 16. And the three mighty men break through. There were only three. The host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. That was uh, by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. Man, you know, you want to talk about a mighty man of God. A mighty man of God where he was thirsty, didn't have anything to drink. His men, three of them, break through the whole Philistine army to get to David to feed him or to give him drink, and he poured it out unto the Lord. Man, you know, this is the type of faithfulness that God is looking for because David here is a type of Christ. What are we willing to do for Jesus? Where is our faith that we may break through to deliver things unto him? Man, these mighty men love David, but we ought to love the Lord even more because why? He is greater than David. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. So he says in verse 17, and he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. This is not, I mean, this, this is not of uh, this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives. Therefore, he would not drink it. Uh, these things did three did these three mighty men. So they broke through an army to get to David, but if you look at it, David said, "Why should I drink? Why should I have this? What about the men who didn't make it? What about the men who are without? So as you can see, David loved his neighbor, and we've got to ask ourselves this Christians, with all the stuff that we're doing in churches, with all the stuff that you know God has blessed us with, what about your neighbor? What about people that are bound by the world that don't know the gospel? man this is how we've got to love people so this is verse um 18, and he says, And Abisha, the brother of Joab, the son of uh, Zeruiah, I guess that's it, Zeruiah, um, was chief among three. And, uh, and he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among three. Uh, was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaiah, the son of Johida, the son of a valiant man of uh, Kebzio, who had uh, done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. You know, now some people may not take this stuff serious enough, but you see, I believe this because these are the times that Christians are going to face. You know, in the Roman Empire, nobody believed it either. For those Christians that sat still and watched, and they would watch the um, Romans put on all types of entertainment, people don't even realize today what these stadiums are for and how distracting sports are. Steve Quayle has already mentioned that he's already received information, and it makes sense to me, that those arenas that everybody's cheering for their favorite team, that's where they're going to see Christians in the arena fighting lions and other things. That's where the persecution is going to begin for a lot of Christians. So we've got to understand that our lives are not that different from what these people have endured. But all of these men wrought victory in God because they were faithful men. They were men that were willing. So this guy was in a pit of snow and slew a lion. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the, um, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff. So all this guy had was a staff against an Egyptian and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Beniah the son of Jehoiada, and um, had the name among three mighty men. Man, we've got a heck of an inheritance to live up to, but we have got to learn to serve the Lord. So I'm going to go two more places. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to get Hebrews 11 because that's where we're going to go out. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and let's learn about what we need for these end times, what we need to have the spirit. These are the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about, and every man of God is worthy to have them, okay? Don't think that we can live life without these if we don't have them. Let's just ask the Lord for the Spirit. Ask Jesus to fill you because you're going to find in many cases when we cover these spiritual gifts, you're going to also understand that Jesus operated in these. Jesus walked on water because he had the gift of faith. Jesus could discern the thoughts of the Pharisees because Jesus had the spirit of discernment. So it's important that we understand that we need this. We need Jesus. We need the spirit to be conquerors in Christ and to do his will. So this is First Corinthians 12, and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have ye ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So right away, what is the problem for the Christian? The dumb idols that we need to get rid of so we can partake of the Spirit. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now why can no one call Jesus the Lord but by the Holy Ghost? Because the Holy Ghost is that which makes us obedient unto God, that every promise that he had given in the Old Testament and the New, we are worthy of because we are obedient. This is verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And three are differences, I mean, there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So not just the Spirit that many of us have today, the manifestation of the Spirit, like we read in Romans 8, the manifestations of the sons of God, this is what he's talking about, not just to have the Spirit, but to operate in the spirit. So he says, for one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge. What's the difference between the two? The word of knowledge tells you what a thing is. The word of wisdom tells you how to deal with it. Now look how many problems we have. You don't think that we're going to need this? You know, (laughs) this is important. The word of knowledge God makes known to you something's going on. The word of wisdom gives you the instruction of how to handle it. So then he says, um, verse 9, to another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Now, you know, faith, the gift of faith is, like I said, Jesus walking on water. When you have the gift of faith, it is impossible to not believe God. Imagine having a gift so great that no matter what, you believe God. That's when you talk about doing the impossible. That's when you talk about doing things that, you know, people wouldn't even fathom with the carnal mind. But you see, the devil has also got power. He's got Indian gurus who can walk through walls, can drive blindfolded in the back seat of a car. The devil's people are exercising their power, so why don't the Christian think that he needs this? Man, the the Third World War is going to be a spiritual war, and it's already playing out. And we're going into open confrontation, just like Moses did with Jannies and Jambres in Pharaoh's court. The Christian better get some armor. The Christian better get some gifts, better get some fruit, and better get ready for the battle. Because this is going to be open confrontation, and we better have the Spirit of God. These are the times where you're going to have to trust God. But there's nothing special you need to do other than enter into relationship, doing what you're doing, live a life of prayer, and by all means, let you grow in faith. Whatever we have in fear, ask God to get rid of it, so that way we can actually believe God. Tell them to peel back the carnal world off of your mind. The deeper you get into Jesus, he becomes your reality, and the world becomes the unreality. That's how you overcome. But we're going to continue real quick. So the gifts of healing. How many people we know need healing? How many of us rely on a doctor to meet the needs? How about getting full of the spirit and believing God and seeing what he can do? There is nothing too hard for God, folks. That's all I'm trying to say tonight. There is nothing too hard for God. That's our inheritance. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I know what a lot of people are going to say because... I know a lot of churches tell people that the gifts of the Spirit are done away with. If you were in a church like that, you need to leave, okay, because that's just straight blasphemy, people telling you the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. What do you think we're going to go to war with? So as a Christian, if you're in a church that's telling you the gifts are done away, get out of that church because they do not represent God and they do not have the Spirit of God. Bro, if you want to add anything, you can. I just wanted to go over some of these gifts about the discernment of spirits, being able to know good and evil. It's not as easy as people make it out to be, okay? If knowing good and evil was so easy, we wouldn't know the discernment of spirits. We wouldn't need it. But it does tell the intents of the heart, the things that you and I can't pick up. With our carnal senses, the spirit will tell you this is either a good or a bad situation. Yeah, bro, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Well, I I really don't. I mean, you know, (laughs) when it comes to discerning spirits, God's given me an interesting opportunity and gift. So, you know, as far as discerning spirits, I would say there's an awful lot of them all around us, folks. They're like cockroaches. And the spiritual warfare is so real, it's beyond your imagination. And if God be willing, uh, you know, um, yeah, make a movie, just trying to try to do. It's the lowest budget movie you ever made in your life of uh, the proof of the evidence that uh, we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare and that our true enemies are just as what we were told. That's not as right. flesh and blood. And um uh, we don't put on the full armor of God every day and be prepared to go to battle these things, these things will just keep uh, you know, just running over us and
1: That's right. And, and so no I are singles spiritual. That, you know, it's it's
0: it's very And these spirits are pretty ugly looking. And as far as God's uh, angels, I mean, people ask me that question all the time, and I say, well, you know, I I can't tell you the Mm -hmm. answer to that question yet. Uh, I don't think that God's angels are like show-offs like the the bad guys are. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) let's just put it that way. They're they're not out there to play hide-and-seek with you or to play games with you. If you see one of God's angels... Uh, I got a feeling it'd be just like uh, what Abraham went through. So, I mean, (laughs) what lot went through. So I think that's pretty confident. I'm pretty confident that that's the way it's going to be. And as far as the dark side and these demonic entities are all over the place that, um, uh, that you are dealing, you know, if you want to know why you have all these problems and, you know, you bipolar and all this other nonsense is because you're spiritual darkness because you're you're not walking in the light and so you're walking with these things and they're there to kill still destroy you and that's exactly what they're doing That's it's right. because of our ignorance this is why we're uh that's what our problem is you know
1: and that's why everybody's putting their trust in the doctors but they better know the greek word for sorcery is pharmakia So they better be real careful with that, how these guys are experimenting with people with drugs that can open you up and spirits can inhabit you. That's why we have got to get powered up and put our trust in God because there is nothing that he can't do, nothing at all. Let's go to Colossians 1. I want to do that before I go to um, Hebrews 11. But Colossians 1 and verse 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature, this is Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, those are ranks of angels. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, not some things, all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn, raised from the dead, or from the dead, that in all things um, he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So as you can see, Jesus Christ covers the whole spectrum. Whatever it is, whatever was made, whatever we deal with right now, Jesus Christ has either created it or he's allowing it for a purpose that he might be glorified. So if the creator were to fail, all of creation would crack and crumble. So we got to understand to put our stock in Jesus is to have the ace in the hole. So he says in verse um, 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So as you can see, we were we were at one point alienated, and we were the enemies of God in our minds, you know, by our wicked works. But he's now reconciled us. He's taken us beyond this that we may be unblameable, unreprovable, and in God's sight, holy. So he says, and if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So God's body is the church. So imagine us being the body of Jesus Christ. And we're sitting here laying dormant, disempowered, and afraid. I mean, I want people to really think about that. Paul here is talking about he's rejoicing in the suffering that he's went through. And I suggest that you guys look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and start at verse 17 if you want to hear about suffering. What Paul went through, that he was naked, beaten, all these things. But he's glorying in in his suffering. Why? For the church that he loves, that Christ loves. So how is Paul any less a warrior than David's mighty men? This is what we're trying to say, that just because we moved unto the gospel and unto the spirit does not mean that we shouldn't be offensive and still be warriors for Christ. And the same God that governed them governed Paul and governs us. So he says... um, I believe it's in verse 26, even the mystery, which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So what is this mystery of God? We're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. It was a mystery to David's men. David's men were probably led by the Holy Ghost, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? God fought for them, and they worked. And they did all these things in the flesh. But now that mystery, which we can get now because of Jesus Christ, to have the Holy Ghost, man, we should be doing greater works than they. So he says, um, yeah, from the generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, guys, we have got to seek Jesus. We've got to do what Jesus says. We've got to go on with him and make sure that we make our calling and election sure in Christ. That's why the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not trying to push works on people here. I'm just saying you don't have to take this stuff sitting down. We serve the true and living God who is more powerful than anything if we would only trust in him and believe him. Man, and if you read the rest of it in your spare time, he talks about, you know, preaching, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me, what? Mightily. So as you can see, the spirit works mightily in those who are obedient, those who are willing. God is not going to place his spirit on a lazy, slothful person. That's not the anointing. When Jesus Christ received the anointing, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And because of that, he had to preach the gospel, set the captives free, heal them that are bruised, you know, this is what the Spirit is on us for, that we may be offensive and serve the Lord. Oh, man. So Hebrews 11, and I'm done, brother. If there's anything else you want to add, you can. If not, you know, I'm just going to uh, close out with this.
0: No, this is just, you go ahead. Just us finish it up.
1: It's great stuff, by the
0: way. I really appreciate it.
1: I know, I just feel like I'm hugging the show sometimes, you know. But uh,
0: I, I, I'm glad you are, actually. So thank you. And I'm sure other people are, too. So Thanks.
1: All right. So this is known as the whole of faith. This is Hebrews 11. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you see, faith is a substance that is not physical, it's something that you've got to believe, and God will show you through evidence those things that are not seen. So it begins in a seed of faith that things are brought to fruition. For by faith, uh, it the elders obtained a good report. So everything that we're about to read is about God's about faith in God. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered um, unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So as you can see, before Enoch was even taken away, his testimony was that he pleased the Lord. That's what God is looking for, servants that are willing to do his will. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that's big. That's key. This is the whole thing that I'm trying to say tonight. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him by faith, Noah being warned of God um, of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. so as you can see, everything in this is about faith, everything in this is moved by faith. We have um, the fruit of faith in uh, Galatians 5, and we have the gift of faith, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So what does that tell you? That faith is the common denominator behind both. Without faith, none of these things are possible. Not faith in self, not faith in your pastor, not faith in your church, but faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. All of these things can be done in him. So in your spare time, guys, I mean, you just go through this whole list about those who believe God. It's said for many of them, they stopped up the mouth of lions. They fought in battle, They did all these different things. The walls of Jericho fell down by faith. You know, Rahab the harlot hid the Israelites by faith. I mean, it's just so much here, guys, that we've got a heck of an inheritance to live up to. And it says, look at verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence with fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant, in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, which were like, um, you know, Gentiles or those who weren't Israel. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. they were sawn asunder, that was Isaiah the prophet, cut in half, were tempted, were slain with the sword, They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God hath provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. So, as you can see, these people didn't even have the Holy Spirit. They didn't even have the Spirit of God, and they were able to do these things by faith alone. You and I have the Spirit. All we need to do is believe God. So, I'm not trying to preach hard to anybody tonight, I'm not trying to overwhelm you with all the accomplishments that God has given his people. But just know that we have an excellent inheritance because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he has given us his spirit to those who believe and for those who will receive it and are willing to please their Lord. So that's all I want to say tonight, you know. Guys, know what your inheritance is in Christ. You don't have to deal with the things that are going on with your children. You know, lay them on the altar before God and give them to the Lord, and the Lord will receive them and take care of them. I like how you said tonight that you have been made free because of the situation that you got more time to serve the Lord. We've got to leave things in his hands, but exercise his authority. He is going to make things happen, but he is not God to us if we don't believe. So let's believe, God, that he may prove himself to us. So I just want to say to people out there, I love you. Just believe in God. Just give him a try. Don't take things sitting down. Get in your prayer closet. Turn your plate over. Have faith in God, because he is just waiting for those of faith that he might manifest himself and do what needs to be done.
0: Amen, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing the the truth, the power of godly inheritance. and uh, Good stuff. man. Um,
1: Praise the Lord. And I,
0: I'm grateful for it, you know, because uh, this message was pretty much directed to me. And I guess I was feeling, I, to be honest with you, I was feeling a little bit down today, a, a little bit. Uh, I feel a little bit sorry for myself. You know what I mean? It's like God, you know, <laughs> uh, why did, why do we, you know? Of course, that 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 mistake of asking why to God, uh, but anyway, <laughs> causes a lot of problems, doesn't it? So, anyways, I uh, just feeling sorry for myself, my son, and that kind of stuff. But you know it, and it. All praise the glory go to God. You know what I mean? Uh, it's really. It's really not that bad, I mean, it's like everything he's done he's done for, you know he's he has freed me from a lot of the burdens in this world in order to uh be a service to him, and I'm doing the best i can it's i can't imagine it's too impressive to anybody else in the outside world, but you know it's it is what it is, you know what I mean, so uh. And you know, it, it it reminds me of David and Goliath, the old classic story, and how a young boy, so small, and can you even just imagine if it, you know, if the guy really was twelve, thirteen feet tall? Can you imagine? I mean, just can you imagine an eight foot footer? You know what I mean? I mean, anybody's ever played basketball with a big guy, man? I'm just, I'm a small guy, so I'm only five nine, so. I know it's like to get thrown around in the basketball court or on the football field, so well, that's what's funny, bro. Because that's
1: that's my height. <laughs> you know? so maybe that's... <laughs> well, well, we've had to uh, prove ourselves many times. I get it.
0: Yeah. So you know, uh, can you just imagine? You know what? What uh, good old you know, David must have gone through, and if he could do that, you know, it's really. Uh, you know, we all have our, our Goliaths, and uh, I was sharing with another brother who has a uh, uh, a different YouTube channel, and I don't know. I hope he, I hope he understood the message. When I text back to him. I just, you know, you know, because he's getting a little, some grief for what he's doing with his mission, um, mm-hmm. and as far as uh, the biblical cosmology and all that kind of stuff and trying to stay, you know, committed to the God and challenging those that are corrupting it already and trying to make movements out of it and conventions and everything else that people want to do and thinking that they're, you know, and maybe God will use some of that. I don't know. But anyways, as you remember, that we all have our Goliaths. We all have our li- le- Leviathans that we have to face. And Absolutely. I think that when you do do that, honestly, and a lot of times at first it's stuff like the you know, things of this world, but mm-hmm. you know, Jesus says, you know, uh, you know, if you don't believe me, what's the, what's, what's the thing? If you don't believe me of worldly things, how are you going to believe me of spiritual things? I'm misquoting that, but you know what I'm saying?
1: No, he said, if you, and that's a great point, you know, we even could have gone there tonight, but I'm glad that you pulled that up. And he says, if I tell you earthly things and you believe me not, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's absolutely right. Of course and I he's think right. The Lord said it. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's part of what the body of Christ is dealing with.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: It's that, that fact. And, and it's almost like uh, because uh, we've been conditioned by others, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. Not look into
0: the not to look into the abyss, but how are you going to know your enemy unless you face it?
1: Amen. You see, that's why a lot of people go on with regular life, not even you know knowing what's on the spiritual side because they're stuck in the carnal mind. But as soon as you begin to venture out beyond that, that's when you find out that the devil is real. (laughs) Oh (laughs) yeah.
0: He's real and his minions and his his demons are real folks, and they are the they really are causing a lot of your your life problems so while you're focusing on uh political theater huh. or being entertained it's one of the things that you know where it's been kind of making some uh capturing images while you along with your uh you're teaching tonight because I I didn't know what you were going to teach. So as you teach, I I, I not only write down the uh, the the, the uh, chapters and the the books, the chapters and verse, but also look for images that go along with it. And it talks about escaping out of Egypt. And one of the things that I the earlier today, I, as I was driving by uh, family home video, video mm. or whatever it is, uh, there's a big old glass obelisk in front of it. And so I put it, you know, and this is throughout the country and most people probably don't even pay note, but they're looking at, it. but right. this, you know, the, the obelisk is, you know, we know what that is. And, and oh, yeah. you know, it's come straight back from this same territory that the, uh, the people of Israel are freed from. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here we are in modern day, you know, Sodom and Egypt, uh, literally. And, uh, and the mm-hmm. whole thing about entertainment and stuff, and, I, and I, I I know this is going to be even a harder teaching for some people to accept, but it has it has to be said. Right. For most of us, we're going to have to be honest about things. We're, our minds have, and our souls have been captured by sorcery and witchcraft coming out of not only Hollywood, but other sources as well. And it was time to let it go and get back into the word. So one thing, one good conversation I had with my brother we did and he said, "You know he wanted to know if I he wanted me to send me some books, and I go, "No, please don't And I said, "Don't play the offense, but I pretty much if i know this sounds really narrow minded, but you know, after fifty years and trying to figure it all out, it all comes down to one thing. It's the darndest thing, folks. The Bible's really the Word of God. And it's the only thing really worth knowing. Um, uh, and I know that sounds extremely narrow-minded. And a lot of people say, oh, no, that's can't be. It's all religious. No, I'm telling you, it's the absolute truth.
1: Very the light,
0: in the light of the world is in that book. To understand the true and living God, you have to crack it open and read it. And you mm-hmm. have to persevere through the Torah. And, and most of the Old Testament, and I understand it's really difficult. Well, the only thing I would ask you is to do is just read it for what it says. Allow the Spirit of God to teach you. Try to drop all your assumptions and all your biases and all your prejudices that other men and and fallen men and men of this satanic world have planted in your head. And just let the spirit teach you. And, and yeah, I think I think part of you know, it's really funny. One of the things I was reading, as I was reading, uh, you know, uh, Exodus and Leviticus uh, and, and etc. I mean, and the tediousness of whether it's the sacramental rituals of the, the, the blood, sac- the sacrifices. You know what I mean? The uh, mm-hmm. all the different types and what to deal. The with,
1: offerings, all the- right?
0: And I think God uses that for a masterful person, not only to demonstrate to you what he did for you and the people of his children, his His people, as far as. <laughs> but uh, And you can go, it'd be great study in its own right, just to, uh, you know, thinking about, all, you know, when he's, how barbaric it must have been as he brought them out of Egypt and into this land of the Canaan. And it came, in and and, uh, and all the different ites that they had to deal with, and the giants, and everything else. But uh, what was more interesting is that he said, "God, you know what? It's really a beautiful example of teaching your uh, son or daughter a disciple discipline, which we lack." And it's not just me. I think is the vast majority of Americana and people that are part of this world. We lack discipline, yeah. literally. We've been, we've been taught to read the front and the back of a book instead of just reading it. And one thing I also discovered about the Bible, it's so much more powerful for me, at least, to read it out loud.
1: I agree. Uh,
0: you know what I mean? Instead of keeping mm-hmm. it to yourself. There's something about that book when reading out loud it has—I'm not going to call it magic or anything else, but there's something godly about it. We might call it supernatural, and all that, but I just think it's something about the spirit of God that just helps because there's cadence with it, and there's some kind of you know, like when you read Leviticus, there's a cadence to it, and there's a—and it, you know, and it flows mm-hmm. like the wave or the waves of the sea. You know what I mean? But I'm not trying to be all, you know. uh, you know, mystical or, or fruity about this whole thing. I'm just saying there is, there's a cadence about it. And no, what it's absolutely. supposed to do, supposed to teach us. I believe is to teach us the fact that, look, God loved these people so much and he knew how bad they were. Mm-hmm. And he brought them out. I mean, the, the Israelites weren't great people. I mean, and I mean, uh, let's be honest. You know, okay. The Egyptians were even worse, but it, I mean, when he talks, God talks about the, you know all the things that w- these people were involved in, whether it was in pedophilia or what it was, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, having sex with your relatives and animals and all sorts of crazy stuff. You're like, you know, and of course, this still goes on today. But it's like back then, it must have been such an issue that God Himself had to raise these kind of things and have ordinances, statutes for them to follow, and um. And here we are today. If we just submit to God and allow His Holy Spirit to teach us, that there's some kind of He transforms us in a way that only God could do and only God can understand. And That's right. uh, all the thing I just say is to persevere, persevere. Help! Let's let's all pray for each other. To persevere and to put our faith in, in God and just persevere. And I'm not talking about putting your faith in your church or in your assumptions. I mean, put your faith in the true and living God. Amen. Develop a relationship with Him.
1: hmm Absolutely. You know,
0: I know that some prayer warriors like yourself can pray 20 to 30 minutes at a crack. I'm not that guy. Uh, I Two, three, four minutes max, that's me. But it's genuine, and it's multiple prayers throughout the day. And I know, that I can tell you, folks, if you put, you really start to develop an this relationship, it only comes through uh, prayer, honest, earnest prayer, perfect prayer.
1: That's right.
0: It's all about the
1: sincerity of the heart. You're absolutely right. It's not about a whole long, you know, lengthy prayers. You know, Jesus said they think they would be heard for their much speaking. So it is about the you know uh, sincerity of the heart and honesty. Yeah.
0: And it just makes you wonder, too, about uh, not only today, I mean, but even back then, if you look at it, you, it's going you to have a long discussion about this. But uh, uh, how much the average Israelite even believed in God as he drove, he took them out of Egypt and into the wilderness and was there and guided them and protected them and all that. How many of them really even believed in God? You know what I mean? I think a lot of that is the, the, the truth is they didn't believe in God, that they were so poisoned, so deluded, so uh, mm-hmm. wicked, so demonized, everything, and yet he loved them enough. He, I mean, the, the rightful thing he should have done is just wiped everybody out and then be done with it. No, His right. rightful thing is to do that to us today.
1: The Bible says he's good and his mercy endureth forever. That's what it's about. You know, God will work with those who are willing. I'm not saying to play him cheap because there is a, there can be a point of no return for God. That's what Romans one talks about, but you're right. He loved them no matter how much they struggled. There were a few times he had to divorce them and allow their enemy to overcome them. But when they cried out to him, He heard their cry.
0: And he heard our cries, too. I know this. Amen. I know this. But the most important cry is to know him. Amen. And you know what I mean? And I know that in the beginning, we pray about the things of this world. We really do. Because we don't know any better. And we're we're betrayed. But as time goes on, you mature in your relationship, you realize the most important thing in any of this. Is to have a That's relationship true. with them. And it isn't about what we get out of this life. So
1: Amen. It's about
0: having a relationship with them and the promise that we will be able to be uh, sons of God. We will be able to be uh, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and finally start to experience what truth is in mean, its fullness. What peace is in its fullness? What um, love is in its fullness? All the positive things you could think of, and don't know what it's like to actually t- truly dwell in the light. And I mm-hmm. can tell you, the darkness around here, and it's ramping up every day, folks. And I hope you take this seriously, because it is. I mean, if if you know a clown like myself can just go out and capture images of these things you can too and not to say I want you to, I'm just, you know, I'm saying listen, they're it's becoming, they're becoming more and more bold, something's happening It's and something about this time and with all the things going on, I just cry out to uh, and beg my brothers and sisters in Christ to start taking the prayer life seriously, the full armor of God seriously, the spiritual warfare seriously because you're not going to have much of a chance in this life, this life without taking it seriously. It's just not. I mean, I know for a fact. I mean, I could just tell you and tell you and tell you. But anyways, let's, let's pray out here, brother. I'll start out and I'll let you in. Is that all right?
1: All right. Sounds good.
0: Okay. Oh, by the way, in case I forget, once again, this is uh, Derek uh, Hallett I'll, and it's on the Trump administration. So, with a Plural and, yeah, you know, <laughs> and sound the trumpet ministries dot com and also on the YouTube channel. will be in, in the information box. And I just want to start off, dearly Father, Almighty God, thank you for being. I don't know. I just don't understand why you love me, God. I don't. I don't deserve any of your love. I don't deserve any of your conscious uh, uh, direction towards me. Any of your awareness, and here you are. I see clearly. Have you been answering my my dilemmas and, and my challenges and my my doubts and my fears all throughout this week? And here again, once again, you blessed me with Brother Derek and with a message that truly was inspired by your holy your holy Spirit, your holy presence, and how you directed him to pretty much deal with what I'm exactly dealing with right now. And I I think you know. God, more than any I know you know, than anybody else could possibly know what I'm in the midst of and what I need to face. And I just want to say, God, I love you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being my king. Thank you for being my Lord. Thank you for being my savior. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for all the things you give me. And and just, um, uh, God, I just am so grateful that you allow me to serve you and be part of your uh, any part of you in your kingdoms. And, and God, just bless my brother. Bless my brother and his continue inspired, uh, Holy Ghost inspired messages. Bless him to keep staying in your word, God. God, uh, bless him to keep reaching out to and, and and having contact with your children. Uh, and just bless him with all his needs that he can continue to serve you. Mightily, I am. I have no idea. Uh, I, I am grateful, God, that you have uh, motivated me. and Motivated, motivated me enough to reach out to men like Derek. What a blessing to even know Derek. Uh, you know, where I live, God, uh, there really isn't too many men right now like Derek. So not to puff him up or anything, God, but. Uh, I just hope, God, and I pray that this will bless you m- so much, Almighty God, and that it will reach out to all those who need to hear the truth. Uh, and, it's, um, and, and it's in an honest and ent- entire way that is pleasing to you, God. And it's not playing not playing games with people, but just telling them the truth, your truth, God. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, It's to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. name Jesus.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brother, Mike. And I thank you, Lord, for this time that we had, that we get to present your gospel. Lord, I pray that your clarity be brought upon it, that your message be inspired, that it have nothing to do with us, Lord, but only of you. And I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given my brother, Michael, and I. And I just ask you, Lord, that you continue to pour unto them, that you give us new strategies to go out and reach people, Lord, that you give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to know what to do, Lord, when when we approach souls, to tell us who to talk to, Lord, that we might not be wasting our time. And I just pray, Lord, that we get more of a following, not for our glory, Lord, but that people may hear the truth that there may be no blood on our hands because we truly love your flock, and we're trying to present what we can that people won't go to hell. For I know you say that it is not in you that any man should perish, but that all men should come to repentance. But we, Lord, that we know that most people won't. So I just pray tonight, Lord, however you dress it up, however you want things to be said and done from this point on, I pray that your spirit be upon it, that we may ring in the harvest. I just thank you, Lord, for all that you do, for who you are, and for what you continue to do, because you are faithful and true. Do it, Lord, and continue to do it for your glory and your honor, and we just hope that you are pleased tonight in what was presented. Kill King of kings and Lord of lords, faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Do it, Lord, for you in your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Once again, soundthetrumpetsministry.com and also the YouTube channel and also on Old Religion Dystopia, Knowing Versus Believe. There is a, I started last week, a playlist to make it easier to find uh, uh, Derek's teachings. So, all praise go to our mighty God. So.